This podcast is brought to you by ReformationSites.com, church websites for a modern Reformation. Hear more at the conclusion of today's program. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. He wants to talk about justification. He wants to talk about imputation. He wants to talk about the active obedience of Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, joined as always by my friend and co-host, James Dolezal. James, how are you today? Thrilled to be here. I'm looking forward to speaking with our guest, a friend and former professor of mine. I am too. We are joined today by Dr. Steve Nichols, president of Reformation Bible College. He also is a prolific author, has written a number of books, mostly in the field of church history, and and is active in speaking engagements uh, throughout the United States and, and is someone that I've known for, I think, around 30 years. So, Steve, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Looking forward to talking with both of you. Well, we're, we're planning to talk today about a recent book that you've written, R.C. Sproul, A Life. And you had the opportunity to work very closely with Dr. Sproul, particularly in his later years. And I gather had the chance to sit with him uh, and, and for a number of interviews in preparation for this uh, book. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the genesis of the project. When did you begin to start sitting down and asking questions in earnest with a view to writing R.C. Sproul a life. Yeah, it really came in the final year of his life. Uh, prior to that, I, I would just actively grab whatever I could. You know, R.C. loved to tell stories. Uh, you, find a, you find a lot of stories about him in his books. Um, I often thought you could piece together a biography just by reading the, the corpus of his writings. But, you know, we'd be at dinner or have meetings and, and I'd have the napkin under the table and I'd be taking out as much <laughs> notes and like not let any anecdote slip away. But it was really in the last year of his life that began in earnest. And I'd go over and sit with him in his home and have these wonderful sessions. And then once he once he passed away, just began to, to put the book together. Um, and I mean, you know, we all just know and love R.C. so much. So as you can both imagine, this, this writing project was just a pure delight and just a wonderful experience for me. Yeah, I'm continually astonished by the number of people I meet who were hmm. brought to a deeper understanding of the Christian faith through his ministry. Yeah. And it's at, at various stages. I mean, some in the 1970s, some in the 80s, some in the last couple of years. But it's, it's really just a remarkable a legacy, and I, and I wondered as you were approaching the project, were there certain themes that you knew needed to be emphasized? I mean, there's this great emphasis mm-hmm. about his his desire to communicate the holiness of God, and that is this one of the threads that sort of runs through the book. But did you come in with a sense of what those threads were going to be, or or, or were those things that just emerged as you as you spoke with him in that last year? Ah, it's a it's a great question. Yeah, we didn't want it to just be 
you know, the, the life of RC was really also about the theology and the message that that life was about. And so it was very intentional about identifying those things that I thought were his contributions that would remain and continue to nourish the church. Inerrancy is certainly one. And you go back to his role in Chicago's statement on inerrancy. So, so we talk about inerrancy, the holiness of God with the book and the teaching series. It's part of our mission statement here at Ligonier. Also, the stand he took in the mid-90s and evangelicals and Catholics together, which is also a way of saying of how he stressed the, the great Reformation solas and culminating there in that statement that salvation is by grace alone and by faith alone. And so that's an emphasis, clearly an emphasis. And then one that I know is near and dear to your co-host's heart is classical apologetics and, and, and classical theism. Yeah. And so to talk about mm -hmm. that as well as an emphasis. Um, and these are ideas that matter. Uh, these are ideas that get to the heart of what Christianity is. So hopefully the reader can pick up some of that as well as they go through. You said these get to the heart of it. And one thing that strikes me about Dr. Sproul's ministry over the long haul is that there is a kind of um, fundamentality in all of it. These are things, the kind of without which nothings of our faith, that if you, mm -hmm. if you lost these, the very thing that distinguishes our Christianity, and that, that's that he was a reformed confessional Christian and pastor. Um, and yet there is this broad, deep, rich commitment to Christian orthodoxy generally. And I think that you can say more to this. That's part of his broad appeal is he, he touches those things that just have to be true for us to be Christians. Yeah. In some ways, I think these are shibboleths. You know, we're talking about uh, the authority of scripture. That, that is where we begin. And, and we just need that statement. Then we're talking about who Christ is and the gospel and what is the gospel. And you know, he wants to talk about justification. He wants to talk about imputation. He wants to talk about the active obedience of Jesus Christ. Um, I, there's only one way we're going to get into heaven, he would say, and that is if we are wearing the robes of a righteous person. Um, so we've got to talk about that. Uh, and then who is God? And not just what we think of who God is, but what does scripture say uh, who God is? I, I think these are shibboleths of what it means to be a Christian. I mean, we, we could get into the other issues, and he certainly had opinions on all theological issues. He had views on all theological topics. I think he said at one point in his life, he held every single eschatological position, <laughs> maybe even at the same time. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, he's not, he's not going to spend all his energy on, on those positions. Um, he, you're you're going to hear the consistent message of those essential doctrines to orthodox confessional Christianity. Now, your book is not uh, simply a compendium of Dr. Sproul's theology or his theological distinctives, but the subtitle is, in fact, A Life. And right. I will confess, and maybe some of our listeners feel the same way, um, when you say a life uh, and you say someone like Oliver Cromwell, that sounds kind of exciting, you know, civil wars and all this. When you say a life and then it's a theologian, it, it kind of sounds like 
you know, ice water. That just, what am I? <laughs> but there was a statement. Maybe you've heard this. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson once said, R.C. Sproul was a man to whom things happened. <laughs> yes. You've, and he's probably said that on more than one sure. occasion. And I think there's, and that, and that's true, right? I mean, tell, maybe you could say just a yeah. couple of things about what kind of oh, strain more than what has happened to us. Um, things happened. Yeah. Um, things and, happened. And shaped him. Yeah. I, I love it. So this is a biography and he was a larger than life life. So there's a lot to the story here, but we could go the trivia route for a moment, James. Um, he gets mentioned in the in the final screen of a vampire movie starring Christopher Walken. It ends with an RC quote going up the screen, and then come the credits. That hasn't gets, happened to you yet. No, not yet. I'm waiting for it. He gets mentioned in the liner notes of a Van Halen album. He golfs with shock rocker Alice Cooper. And he just happened to be on a boat crossing the Atlantic with the Rolling Stones. So if we just take a little slice of pop culture, we could say, yeah, things happened to the life of RC. But beyond that, it's a fascinating life. I mean, this is why I wanted to do the book. Um, people, there's a lot of people who know RC. They know him through books, through Renewing Your Mind on the radio for decades. They know him through Ligonier conferences, teaching series. But there's a story there. There's a man there. Uh, there's a love story there uh, mm. with his wife, Vesta. And it's a great love story of, of a faithful marriage uh, that we just we need to be reminded of that in this age in which we find ourselves. So, yeah, there's, a, there's an interesting life there. He's, he's buddies with Arnold Palmer. Um, He's tossing a football with Jack Kemp in Jack mm. Kemp's office uh, when he was, whatever he was, wasn't he secretary in somebody's cabinet for a while? Uh, and it was during that time that RC got to know him and they would, Kemp had this capacious office and they would toss football while they met. I'm going to throw in one more. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe I'm right about this. That he he sure. and Vesta were actually in, I, I think they were in the train in the deadliest train wreck in yeah, American history. And they were they on were. the train when it happened. I mean, these are, this is a man to whom things happen. And these, th these, these yeah. people he knew that the Lord just put him into contact with and the events that he went through really, really, you say he's larger than life and there's something to that, but it, it shaped him. Maybe you could speak to this a little bit. How, do, how did these events shape him and how did he take those things uh, and and sort of put them into the service of the Lord. Well, the train wreck uh, was was one, and you know when I hear RC talk about this, I have to take it with a grain of salt because um, they were asleep. They were in one of the back cars, one of the sleeper cars, and so the the uh, a barge had jarred, uh, had run into a, a bridge abutment, knocked the train slightly off. So when the train got there, you know, 90 miles an hour or whatever, they're gone. It, it literally just went air, went into the air and went across the river and, and pummeled into the bank on the other side. And they were left on the other side because they were at the end of the train. But 
you know, prior to the NRC, he had written all these classic texts. He'd been Ligonier. He'd been full-time professor at RTS, Jackson. But he says, you know, after the train wreck, I realized, okay, I need to get serious now with the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt, RC, because I don't think you've been sitting around twiddling your thumbs, you know, prior to that. But but he had a way of bringing these in. I, I think to me, what was most fascinating was, was the way he approached people. And Vesta gave me some insight here when she said, RC always believed that he had something to learn from every single person he met. And so as he engaged with people, he truly engaged with people. And so I think that's what gave him sort of, uh, created with him to sort of a, um, an ethos of being open and enjoying other people. I mean, I'll bring you in. Uh, you you were able to have dinner with him, and and what turned out to be very close to the end of his life, and he loved it. It's uh, the dinner was described to me as two guys sitting around high fiving each other theologically for three hours. <laughs> it was one of the most thrilling three hours of my life. Truly delightful. And that was our seat. Um, he he truly enjoyed the company of people, and I I think all that played a role in who he was. And, you can sort of sense it as he teaches and writes. Steve, one of the one of the facets of his life that I was least familiar with was his not just his early life, but really his education right. and and the the way in which the Lord brought influences into his life when he was studying in seminary, when he was doing his uh, doctoral work overseas. And, and there was a sense in which I felt, boy, that snapshot, um, it really did set the stage for everything that was to follow. I mean, no one could have predicted the twists and turns and all the people that he met and, and, and all the, the various uh, issues that he had to address. But there is a sense in which some of those key building blocks, even theologically and philosophically, were put into place during his years of education. That really struck me. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. There was a foundation there. I mean, we, we see the fruit of it later and see his teaching, but I love getting in and watching that foundation get laid. It started at college where he's converted and comes under the mentorship of Thomas Gregory. He was a Westminster seminary grad who did a PhD in philosophy at Penn and taught philosophy there at Westminster, was one of the few theological conservatives at that college. And he was the one who opened R.C.'s eyes to philosophy. Uh, Then he goes to seminary, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, which was just patently liberal. But here he comes under the mentorship of John Gershner, who had come into Pittsburgh through a merger. And because of that, Gershner was basically bulletproof. And so he could teach what he wanted and had freedom. And um, R.C. described him as his lifeline. But here's R.C., you know, he's, Vesta said it best, I think, when she said he sort of got two educations because he got an education in liberalism, but then he had to get alongside of the education he was getting his own education in orthodox theology. But I think it gave his teaching an edge it gave him a great sense of apologetics because he understood the error, but it also gave him just such a love for the truth. He saw false teaching up close. 
and saw what it could do to a whole denomination. And I think that animated him. Uh, then he goes to Netherlands, not knowing Dutch and, and having to get right. doctoral uh, instruction and technical reading in Dutch language, not knowing a word of Dutch. So this is a guy, his feet are under the desk, dictionaries are on the desk, and he's sitting there for 14 hours a day, slogging it out. All, that's the foundation uh, upon which this teaching ministry was built. Yeah, and I think some people who see the fruit of it uh, born in a in a given sermon or in an interview or in one of his teaching series on DVD don't always recognize the the sort of massive iceberg right. under the ocean, right. and you're just seeing the, the the very tip of it in 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 its expression in that teaching. And I think what what makes it actually worse, Jonathan, is that he made it look so effortless. <laughs> He, he did. did yes. He just stands up there and does it. And, and you think, well, hold on. You know, there, there were 14 years there uh, of, of just slogging it out with the books. I mean, I had access to his books and he, the, the underlying margin notes, writing on the fly leaf. Um, he was, he was an, a diligent student. And, you know, there's a, there's a parable in that, that we can only build as deep as the foundation is. And that's true no matter what ministry God calls us to um, and just puts on us that burden to do our homework and prepare that foundation because we don't know, you know what opportunities are, are going to be before us. So maybe as a kind of moving into a last section of this, just this, we're just introducing R.C. Sproul, a life and trying to whet the appetite of listeners. Maybe say a few things about the kind of teacher that he did become because uh, I'm among those uh, who remember R.C. Sproul VHS cassettes in the 80s, uh, <laughs> a sort of, you know, Wednesday right. nights at church when you didn't have the Wednesday night teacher there and you put in a R.C. Sproul VHS. And, and so many of us came to know R.C. through a, some will call a popular preaching ministry. Um, and obviously that was built on a non-popular uh, educational foundation that was hard won. Um, but he clearly had a burden to speak uh, you know, the, the lingua franca, franca and get that word out to as many people as possible. Um, and yes. maybe you could just say a few things about his, his objectives and his sense of calling as a popularizer who had uh, a true educational foundation. I think it goes back to the reformers. He saw the reformers as populists, as taking the message directly to the people. And that's what he saw himself as doing. He, he spoke of Ligonier as between the seminary and the Sunday school. He, he wanted to not only be a populist to bring a message to the people, he wanted to bring clarity, like clarity on the issues that matter, complex theological essential issues, that there would be clear thinking. You know, he recognized that, that the church is, is full of a lot of educated laity, but they may not have formal theological training. But don't, you don't patronize them and you don't just sugarcoat things, but you give them the deep things of God. And he had an ability to communicate those deep things of God in a very clear way. I'll give you one example of this. I was in Gulfport, Mississippi. I'd been speaking and I was returning the car to the rental 
station, you know, and I was heading home. I'm, I'm walking back from the car to the little booth with the, the guy from Enterprise, and he sees the card, and he goes, oh, uh, Ligonier Ministries. He says, uh, I was just li- listening to, to Dr. Sproul this morning on Aristotle. And I said, really? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going through consequences of ideas, and I'm, I'm learning all about Aristotle on causation. And I just thought, okay, this is RC. Um, he mm. he had an ability. It was like he could he he. It was like he was talking directly to you, and he was talking to you in a way that he respected you. And I think that's what set apart his teaching, um, and what made him um, truly a popular uh, teacher. Steve, along those lines, I wonder if we could just close with this. We've talked about a number of lessons or takeaways, you know, the, the importance of preparation, the, the importance of keeping first things first and, and, and main things main. What other lessons would you think a reader might learn from, from encountering R.C. Sproul a life? Hmm. I, I think a couple of things. Number one, they never set out to build a ministry with a global reach and impact. They, they just wanted to be faithful. RC loved teaching. The Ligonier Valley Study Center opportunity made itself available. They took it. Um, and, and I think that that's one thing. You know, we're, we're just called to be faithful. And, and in this case, God did bless his ministry with not only faithfulness, but fruitfulness. But we're, we're called to be faithful. I think another thing that was a very prominent theme at the end of RC's life was the theme of awakening. Now, R.C. had his own experience, I think, re- reflects this. This truth gripped him. I mean, I mean, this, this truth wasn't just something that he intellectually apprehended. The, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who God is, the truth of who Christ is, the truth of having our sins forgiven in Christ, these really, truly captivated R.C., uh, and one of his philosopher heroes was Kierkegaard, not because of Kierkegaard's content, but because of Kierkegaard's passion. And R.C. would say that. Um, he was passionate about the truth. And so at the end of his life, he, he was speaking a great deal about awakening and calling the church to, to um, be not just, uh, you know, affirm the truth, but to be passionate about the truth and to be passionate about God and our relationship with God. So, so I think that's something that sort of comes out as you see what, uh, what he was up to uh, in the very final, even, even in his final sermon, uh, he's making a plea for awakening, um, which I think is just poetic uh, way for him to, uh, to exit stage left. Well, Steve, thanks for your time today. Thanks for, putting this book together. It was really a a joy to read. Uh, And I think for anyone who has benefited from the ministry of R.C. Sproul, uh, you will, you will enjoy R.C. Sproul a life. So thanks for, for the the writing, Steve, and thanks for the time today. Oh, my pleasure. Really enjoy the time with you. Thanks. 
Well, James, um, always good to reconnect with our friend Steve Nichols. And uh, boy, th- this this is a, a delightful little book to to dive into, and just just a, a remarkable life. And Steve is well well placed by the Lord to have written this life, to have spent those last years side-by-side uh, side with R.C., uh, particularly in that work at Reformation Bible College that they were undertaking. Um, and, uh, and, so, and also with, with access uh, to Vesta, uh, R.C.'s, the, the love of his life. Um, mm-hmm. So this, there's, a, there's an access uh, that, that Steve has as an author to R.C., and it was a colorful life. I mean, he just, R.C.'s life just furnished ample material uh, to tell an interesting tale. And for those of us who've been impacted by the teaching of R.C., I have to think that the appeal that R.C. made to every one of us was more than just merely um, cognitive stimulation. There was something, I think Steve said it well toward the end, that you felt like he was speaking to you. There was a, there was a, a human touch that was so inviting. And I, I think it, every one of us uh, who've been touched by his teaching uh, want to know the man better because there was so much of, there was so much of the man in that good way in his way of teaching. Well, and you know, the other thing that struck me about the the book is that there wasn't this uh, dark side, so to speak. I mean, uh, he's a sinner saved by grace. He would have been the first person to have said that, but, but nonetheless, you know, he, he, that passion that he felt for these truths, that passion that he had for Christ and for the glory of God and the holiness of God permeated all of his relationships um, as, as reflected in the book. Yeah, that's right. And he, and he care and he's, he's really a testimony uh, to God's grace because he carries that intensity. I mean, right through to within weeks of his death as he's standing in the pulpit. Yeah. Um, he, he stands in the pulpit faithful and uncompromised. Um, and it's, it's just a, a wonderful testimony to the preserving grace of God uh, in R.C. Sproul's life and the way that the Lord used him uniquely uh, as a tool to touch so many of us. And so I think this book will be uh, an encouragement and a delight to so many of our listeners. Well, if you're one of those listeners who's interested in winning a copy of this book, you can go to placefortruth.org, click on the theology on the go link, We'll ask you for your information, and then you can enter for a chance to win a copy of R.C. Sproul, A Life by Steve Nichols. It's also available now from Crossway and from other outlets that carry books like that. And so we'd urge you to to pick it up if you have an interest in the man or if you have an interest in his teaching. Uh, We thank you for your interest in this program. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to email us with suggestions and ideas. If you're able to support the mission of the Alliance, you can do so at AllianceNet.org or PlaceForTruth.org. Both of those websites have a donate button that is easily accessible. And if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please pass it along to them. Uh, We want to do whatever we can to reach as many people as we can with these important truths. And thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. So you'd like to do more with your church's website, especially in this day and age when keeping your members and visitors informed is so important. Hi, Eric here from Reformed Media. I've developed Reformation Sites as an easy-to-use website platform to help Reformed churches like yours reach out more effectively. 
with beautiful mobile-ready designs to choose from, helpful service, and useful features such as Sermon Manager, online bulletins, courses, and notifications, your website will be ready the next time a major event happens. It also integrates with other popular services like Sermon Audio, online donations, and live streaming with pricing that fits into any church budget. Take advantage of this month's special offer of 50% off the website setup fee by using the code 2021 to redeem the offer. The first 30 signups may also receive a free WordMark logo designed for their church. Go to ReformationSites.com to get started today or call me, Eric, at 561-900-6886 to explore the possibilities. Reformation Sites, church websites for a modern reformation.